So here we go. We have an, another uh, conversion story this morning. Um, it's been intentional on my part to have people that I have a relationship with so they could be organic conversations, natural, and that people who are able to either watch them on Facebook or on uh, various uh, media streams that we have or listen to it on podcasts, that they would be able to feel that uh, you know that 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 genuineness and just be like all right I, I can connect there so they've been great we've had some great ones with um, Daisy Diaz and we had a great one with Adrian Fro Johnson and today we'll have Danita Calhoun now let me go ahead and read something to you all before I bring uh, Danita up if you would uh, turn your devices on your Bible to Judges uh, chapter 4 it's a short verse uh, verses 4 and 5, Judges chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. And uh, I read this uh, making reference to Danita. Uh, so God, he chose Deborah to be a judge and a prophet. Uh, and she was working double duty. Um, I didn't find anywhere in the, the scripture where she chose those offices. And I don't find anywhere in the scripture where she proclaimed those offices on herself where she said, I'm a prophet, I'm a judge. It's just, she just walked in them. Uh, verse 4, and Judges 4 says this, Deborah, the wife of Labadoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. Uh, she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. She didn't go to them to judge them. <laughs> they, would, they would come to her for judgment and we're not talking about judgment in the, the context that we live in where people talk about don't be judging me now these people wanted great counsel and they had to go seek it and when she spoke she spoke from the Lord amen and I see somebody like uh, Danita as that person who is able to give good judgment and able to speak what the say of the Lord uh, as he gives fit. So, Danita, if you can come on up here and join me uh, this morning. Uh, I'm trying to think when I met Danita. I think it was in either 2007 or 2008. So, one of those. Oh, so, she says 2007 that she's coming, y'all. Uh, 2007. Um, and... I remember she, it was with Young Life. She had just thought it was Young Life. And we went to, I think our first thing that we ever did together was Central High School. It was prayer at the flagpole. And I, I remember contacting, getting some kids together, and she was doing some ministry there. And she split the bill on some 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 uh, biscuits from McDonald's. <laughs> so I was happy. And then I had some people there from St. Andrew, uh, Amy Church, and we prayed for those kids and, and prayed for staff. And it was a big group out there, I'll tell you. So that was kind of like our first thing. I remember telling her, look now, we're going to go in this cafeteria. <laughs> now, she could do this stuff like blindfold now. She an OG now. But I remember her walking in like, Lord, all these kids. I said, come on, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> and then before I knew it, she was running, I was like, holla at you. But, man, I'm so glad you're here. My, my goal has been to have different stories, hoping that somebody will hear themselves. So there'll be people who will hear these stories, uh, hear the gospel, and they'll get saved. They will, they will run to Jesus and other people who will hear them 
who are wrestling with their salvation, like, am I really saved? It will be confirmed. Some people need that to have that confirmation that, that, that I really am saved. I just didn't have the language for it. And some people need to hear their language through someone else's story. So just go ahead and tell us, where, where are you right now? What's going on in Danita's life now? And then we'll work our way back. Okay. Um, right now, I will start with my most important role. I am a wife, um, a mother, um, three adult children, the wife of Cedric Calhoun, mm. made third to make it 30 years. 30 years, y'all. 30, 30 years, 30 years, 30 years. <laughs> but um, there's 10 three times. <laughs> uh, we have three adult children, um, three grandchildren. Um, well, we have four. Uh, our oldest daughter and her husband are raising a daughter that um, helping another family raise their daughter. So we have we consider her as our granddaughter as well. Um, and so also my second job is um, my job, but is Young Life. I work for Young Life. Okay. Um, my ministry is to focus, my ministry focuses teenage mothers, um, which is a part of my story. Um, so, um, I get the opportunity to serve as the area director for young lives and the regional coordinator for the state of Tennessee training and equipping women, how to, uh, minister to teenage mothers. So y'all hear that we need, we need ministries like that. Now I don't remember that growing up in church when I, when I first got saved Fred, I don't remember them having a ministry to, to single moms. You know, I, I don't, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have evolved yeah. uh, in, in ministry in church and in parachurch ministry. What, what's that age group of teens? Uh, it, it can range anywhere from age 13 to, and we, we track them all the way to age 20. So mm. like, even when they graduate from high school, we don't stop following and walking alongside them. We follow them all the way up until age 20 is when they actually age out. But I, in all honesty, I still have relationships with girls that are age 30 now mm. and who are doing well. And, uh, it's just been a blessing to watch the Lord, um, when you're thinking it's going to end at 18, here they are 30 now and still walking alongside them, still having conversations with them, mm -hmm. still in act, active in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so, um, man, there's a yeah. lot of stigma and shame connected. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially in the Bible Belt with mm -hmm. teen moms. What are some of the things that you all do to to eradicate that shame and to minister to them? Yeah. Well, one of the things we get to do is what we go into their schools mm. and we offer parenting and life skill classes. Okay. And so we call them lunch and learns. And so doing it in a fun way and helping them build community around one another, tear down all of this other stuff that's going on in the community so they can build some community around one another. And then we offer a platform. We have a platform where at young life where we get the opportunity. We, uh, Campaigners, which is our Bible study, helping them grow in their faith. But the evangelism part of being not just um, saying, but doing, being the hands and feet of Jesus and being able to uh, be agents of change in their life by uh, helping them um with resources, helping them with diapers and wipes and helping them uh, how to parent their children, you know, not like 
putting, mm-hmm. making many me's, mm-hmm. you know, but allowing them to be their full self and who God has created them to be, giving them a vision. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not the end of the road. Please hear me because I am a witness. This is not the end of the road for you, you know. So that's good. It's not the end of the road. Uh, they, they have no idea, none of us, you yeah. know, kind of how God is going to orchestrate that. Right. What has God showed you on that journey working with teen moms? Oh, my goodness. The Lord has really shown me so much about Danita. Mm. Um, And all the things I said I wouldn't do or wasn't going to do growing up, that's the very thing that I am doing right now. Mm. Uh, The very things that I thought I would be avoiding is the very thing that I'm most passionate about right now. Um, Mm. I love working with teenage moms because there is so much. I often think about the story when um, the woman was caught in the very act of adultery and Jesus said, where are, your, where are those that was going to stone you? Mm-hmm. He said, they don't condemn you, neither do I. And reminding girls that God is rewriting their story. Ooh, y'all hear that? Oh, I need somebody to hear that. God is rewriting the story that the world has yeah, wrote. The wor- yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's the part of my journey. You know, he rewrote my story. Mm. And um, and so I get to live it out with these young mamas every day, mm-hmm. every day. I get to live it out with them. And so not only are they growing, but I'm continuing to grow. I made a promise and a commitment to the Lord that when I get to the place where I have, when I get to the place where I stop learning, mm-hmm. then I don't maybe it's time for me to be gone. Yeah. I don't ever want to be in a place where I can't continue to learn and grow and mm-hmm. be developed by the word of God so that I can be an instrument of change in the life of somebody else. Uh, even I've seen Denita go through physical things, mental things, and she still tried to keep that even keel, be consistent, even in pain. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think I can ever say that she's given God her crumbs. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, when they go through, they give, they give God the least. Uh, I don't mean the least that he's given them, but they give him the least that they have, you know, yeah. um, not the best. And I feel like that you have tried to always give God your best, yeah. not your crumbs. Let's go back to that whole story, rewriting the story. Um, tell us about yours, because we were all born into a story Yes, um, that statistics have for us, the world. And then we all have a, a story that has been written, written in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the story that you were born into. Uh, what was life like before Christ? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the, the prison time and yes. all that stuff you did. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, hey, uh, I was born. Um, my parents were married when I was born. Um, mother and father group, you know, went to the same high school, all of those things. But, um, my dad was a bit at that time before Christ, my dad was not being, was not walking with the Lord. And so my dad was, uh, a violent man and this is known, um, you know, but he loved his girls. Like I was the oldest girl. I can honestly say my dad has never spanked me, mm-hmm. you know, but that was not so with women in his life. And my mom was, uh, you know, she wasn't perfect, but she did all she could to keep her family together. And when that didn't, so that changed the trajectory of our lives when my parents divorced. 
And so how, how old were you then when, um, they divorced? when they actually divorced, I, we were 11, but they separated by the time we were nine. And so uh, it just changed our world and changed how we saw the world. Um, you know, my, all grandparents on both sides married 45, 50, 60 years. And then here we are. And then people looked at us different, differently in the church. You know, like their parents are not together, uh, especially the church I grew up in. Um, you know, my single mom, my mom could not drive. So we uh, we rode the bus everywhere, rode the or in a cab. And but people looked at us differently. Uh, Did you feel like a condemnation, like oh, con condemning look? Yeah. 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 It was it was very even some family members mm. who felt like my mom didn't tough it out long enough. Mm. <laughs> you know, even I remember her telling me she's had conversations with family members who's like, just tough it out. He'll change, yeah. you know, at the expense of all the other things. Now, granted, he did later, but that wasn't her journey to tough it out at that particular time. So how, how did that shape your walk as a kid, teenager, oh. college age? I was angry. Yeah. Uh, I was that kid that when everybody else put their anger on display, like through, um, you know, physical, I was always thinking. So I could get people to do stuff for me. Mm. Uh, and that's how I began to lead. I became, you know, like I was the kid that had a thoughtful plan. I can weigh it out. The teachers, oh, Danita's so sweet. Mm. This, this, this. And then on the flip side at home, we were giving our mom hell, yeah, yeah. you know, or out here in the neighborhood causing hell, yeah. you know. But, in you know, I knew when to turn on and turn off because I had had to master this, like how to control my emotions and give this, um, get this, you know, like make people think I was one thing when I really wasn't. What, That's was how that, it played out. Was that somewhat of a, a survival strategy and not just manipulation, but just, you know, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get over on me. Yeah. I'm gonna protect myself. Yeah, it was a survival strategy because I don't know if I've even shared. Well, I've shared this with part of my story, even with the uh, young mamas that I work with. Part of my story is it was part of my survival strategy because I had been sexually abused by a family member, and I didn't know who to go to, and we felt unprotected. Nobody protected us. Well, who's gonna? So then I had to start protecting myself. So I was never gonna let anybody get get to me like that again so my my thought pattern was i'll get you before you get me come on i i hear you how did that view if if at, if at all what did that do for your view of, of god or even the church just going through those different things feeling unprotected mm -hmm. feeling condemned um embarrassed Mm -hmm. You know, having these two different lives, one in public, one at home. How did that shape your view of church of all or, or the Lord rather? It And that's the thing. If there was a view. What, yeah. what, and that's the thing. We bust church doors open four days a week. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> we was, you know, Baptist training union, this uh, uh, vacation Bible school. Uh, uh, BTU, you know, all, well, all of the bees, all the bees, we was a part of, yeah, all okay. of them. We was a part of all of that. Um, and at the same time, like we had a vision, a view of God, but what was God for us, mm. or what was God for me? When everybody else, you know, family seems like everything was going well. My cousins them got their parents at home. Well, here it is. My mom struggling, and folks don't even know like this has happened to us. And then when it did come out. 
when their family found out about it, it was like, we don't talk outside our household. That was what was told, you know, to... What goes on in this house stays in this house. And we're going we gonna to take care of it. And it was never taken care of. And, and we grow up with those those bad ideologies, those survival strategies yeah. that end up making our whole house toxic and our mm -hmm. mind toxic. Uh, one thing that Jonathan Collins said when the pandemic hit, you know, we were hearing all this stuff from people like, where's God? Where's God? And one thing he said was, man, God is in the same place he's been. Mm -hmm. God is in the same place he's always been, yeah. right? But he doesn't always feel like it, mm -hmm. you know? It, sometimes it doesn't feel like God yeah. is close even though he's there. Yeah. So so having that feeling, that, that, re that reality of, man, where is God? How did you respond? Well, <laughs> what, what did life look like in the where is God to me? Well, my response was, like I said, we turn, I turn, I, I'm not going to speak for my other people, but I turn towards um, neighborhood street life, yeah. you know, um, you know, forming our own girl gang and on our street, um, doing stuff at school. Um, I always excelled at school, but I did what I need to do to keep a, a uh, certain reputation here, but in, in the streets, uh, causing, like I said, causing problems for my mom where she trying to work. And every time she look up, we in trouble, we in trouble, you know, what school uh, was that? What high school? I went, I went to Southside high school. Okay. Okay. Um, went to Southside high school. Um, went to the community school. I said, and I, my husband and I, we were talking about um, some things this morning, like my first experience, even like it, uh, with, with race and all of that injustice was at when I went to middle school. And then all of that kinds of things played a part of and not having a safe place to land that. Mm. And it turned me to a place, it turned me away from the church. I'll say that. Okay. It turned me away from the church. Uh, and then as I got into my teen years, all the things that I had been taught uh, about God and about the love of the church and all of this, when I got pregnant with my oldest daughter mm. at 19, and I wanted to offer her back to the Lord. Mm. I was told I had to stand before the church and apologize for being a sinner first. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, holla. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was done. Mm -hmm. I was done. That, that's a painful place. You know, well, we need you to present your shame to us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it reminds me of some I preached about with, with Judas was going to the Pharisees yeah. trying to to make things right. Went to the wrong group. Yeah. And she went to Jesus. And yeah. Oftentimes people want some things that only uh, need to be given to God. And sometimes yeah. we want things from people that only God can give us. Yeah. So, you, you know, you, you say peace to the church. What does life look like? Peace out. <laughs> oh, how, how long is the peace out process? Oh, it, was, it, it was, it was at least maybe, um, maybe four or five years. Okay. I mean like a good little stint. Um, and so I just started going to the club. I started hanging out, started, Drinking, just with the boys and girls club. Or? No, not the boys okay. and girls. Uh, <laughs> no, not the boys and girls club. <laughs> I ain't no way close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the boys and girls club. And just partying, you know. Yeah. And I wasn't being a good mom, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was searching and searching. I was searching for something I didn't even realize uh, or understand what I was searching for, but mm. I knew. In my heart of heart, I was searching for something and I just couldn't. And I tried here, I tried here, try to drink, you know, and hang out, try smoking, try this, yeah, yeah. try, you know, 
robbing folks, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever it was that, and nothing filled that. And I, I knew it was a void, but I didn't know what it was. And who was taking care of your daughter while you were out there trying to fill that void? I, at home with my mom. Mm-hmm. Come on now. At Say her name. Lillian Milligan. Come on. With at the home Lord. With, with the, gone to be with the Lord. But yeah. she was there. And then, then here comes baby number two. Gotcha. And how old were you then? I, by the time two? I had turned 21. Okay. Getting older. Getting older. But still, like I said, searching. Mm-hmm. Searching. And just lost. Uh, didn't know what to deal, do with the shame because Still, we have never dealt with the issue of mm. being molested and sexually assaulted Come as on. a ch- as a child. Mm. Never dealt with that. Never dealt with somebody that. hears you too. Yeah, yeah, we never dealt with that, mm. and so all of that, and so don't know what a healthy relation looked like because at you know my father, this is probably like his by this time his third marriage. Gotcha. And so I don't know what to look for in a godly man. Yeah. So you're seeing all these this, this all confusion this. relationally, yeah, yes. and trying to trying to live your life. Yeah. Uh, so you go through this time. You have two kids. Do you come back to the church? Of course, I know you did. Mm-hmm. But but what does that look like? What what brings you to the Lord? Yes. You know, because He was already with you. But what yeah. brings you to oh this this yeah. aha moment? because it probably was several of them. Oh yeah, it was several of them. But the aha moment for me, uh, I'll never forget it. I was sitting on the steps outside watching the girls play in the yard. And how old were you at that time? Um, twenty two. Okay. Twenty two. I was sitting on the steps watching them play in the in in the yard. And because my mom had got to a place where I have to, she's like, you know what? Everywhere you go from now, you're going to take them kids with you. Yeah. That, that. Sound like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sitting on the steps and watching my girls play in the front yard. And I just began to weep. Mm. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be that girl. Yeah. I say, if you teach me how to raise these girls. Mm. It's just going to be me and these girls, and I'm going to do what's right by them, and I'm going to do what's right by you. Denise, I, that, that wasn't some kind of scripted prayer. She didn't pull off the Internet because we didn't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't find that written in the book. It was just, Lord, if you help me yeah. with these girls. So it started with you asking the Lord for help. I asked for help. And you were, I'm assuming you were in pain. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I tell people we gotta have have that rock bottom moment. Yeah. Where it's like that rock where we're now we're asking for help. Yeah. So I need to know I need some help. Yeah. So you're 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 out there, you're looking at the girls play, you're like, Lord, if you help me, keep going, Danita. Yeah. Then I was like, I told the Lord, I said, if you help me, I I'll do what's right by these girls, I'm gonna do what's right by you. And what's so as I t- when I share this. I, my mind just thinks back to like when I was eight and nine years old in my grandmother's den, I, we would play church. I was always the preacher. My uncle would play the broom. He would be on the guitar. The other cousin would have the... That broom the- probably sounded good too. <laughs> and I was always the preacher. I remember the very first sermon that the Lord gave me. Mm. Even as a kid at nine years old, eight and nine years old in the den on Friday nights while the adults of Front with the fish fry playing cards, we'd be in the back playing church. I'm a, I'm a mess with you, Nita. Because I was going to crack a bad joke. What was, what was the name of your first sermon, Danita, as a kid? We're just ordinary people. Just ordinary people. I thought it was going to be something like, I'll rob you, Negro. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to the Lord. <laughs> 
she went, you know, you know, you got one, two, three, four. Yeah. First point is I got this gun, you know. Yeah. <laughs> two, you don't want this. Yeah. Three, he coming yeah. quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Go ahead. Yeah. You're yeah. so crazy. Dude. I ain't playing with you. But this is good. But you're playing church playing and you remember these things coming back to coming you. Coming back to me. That, that, that I, I would say seeds. Yeah. That that God was planting through your environment, yeah, you know. So even through some bad struggles, oh, man, He was there. He was there, <laughs> and I just didn't know it. Mm. I just didn't know it. I just didn't know it. When I accepted Christ, mm. I did it so I can sing in the choir. Yeah. I didn't know what it mean meant to really be in relationship. And then, to be honest, we want we want to learn about relationship. We would learn about hell, fire, brimstone. If you drink, smoke, and cuss, you're yeah. going to hell. Right. <laughs> so I didn't know about a relationship, but I knew I wanted to sing in that choir like the rest of them kids. I know, because that's where the fun was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but when I began to do that, to flesh out the gospel for real, mm. and to really, like, turn my life back over to the Lord and get back in church... Uh, in the process of that, I, you know, I still teeter totter a little bit. Yeah, so I yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, go to the club with my friend. I didn't want to be there though. This particular night, I can honestly say I didn't want to be there. Yeah. I sat over in the corner. I was angry and, you know, just hanging out with her. And guess what? Mm. Sitting up at the front, there's this man that keeps watching me. And mm. I told my friend, I was like, if he look at me again, we're going to get to fighting. Yeah. Come on, tell it. I, I told her that. She said, you always want to fight. I said, he got one more time to look at me, and we're going to get to fight. Mm. That man is my husband mm -hmm. today. <laughs> yeah, he was looking for a fight. <laughs> you know, and I I will say, after, it was like once God brought us together, we hadn't been back. Was that club no name? What was the name of that club? You remember? Uh, <laughs> Print is on the hill, yeah, I believe. Yeah, right. And why, hey, right right yeah. yeah. It's still on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Bad ice storm. <laughs> Prentice on the hill, but you remember what said had on that night. You know uh -huh, I do. He yeah. was dressed like Miami Vice. What yeah. turned me off was he had on these uh penny loafer shoes yeah. and he didn't put in a lotion on his ankles. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> tell it. Tell and it. it was just white, like flour. Ashy ministry. That's right. That's right. That's what that's what that's, I, I that, that did it for. So you know he didn't want his shoes <laughs> to stick to his feet. Hey God. <laughs> I understand. So y'all in sin. Yeah. So so you see him across and, and did he approach you? You approached no, him. No, she he he mentioned to his friend that my friend was talking to that um he wanted to uh, meet me. And so I told her I was like, You have to pay me to go out with him. Mm -hmm. He know the story. He always said I got tell the it, best tell it now. I got the best she return on money. my yeah. on my money. And she uh, she did. Yeah. And they ended up not together and here we are thirty years. Look, come at that. Some, so the moral of the story, you see somebody at the club staring at you, they might not be a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody listen, y'all y'all pray for them. So you, you meet that man. How old were you when you meet said? Um 23, uh, 22 or 20. I was going into like my 23rd birthday. Mm -hmm. The thing is, he lied and said he was already 24. Mm -hmm. And I lied. He got and said, lying spirit. Uh -huh. gotcha. And I said I was 26. We both were lying because yeah. I was thinking like if he's 24, I'm going to one up him so that I wouldn't be up. So he wouldn't want to date an older woman. Mm. It's still. But he liked that stuff. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm still three years older than he is. So either way. But God brought Sid and I together. Mm. I didn't have a father figure in my house. Said didn't have a father figure in his house. Uh, Brittany and Bridget has um, different dads. Mm. Our son, CJ, 
is adopted. Come on, tell it, Danita. God took all of that dysfunction from what we grew up and brought us together as a family unit and changed the trajectory of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. Was Cedric saved at the time? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. See, Safo was in the club looking for mm-hmm. her. Look at that. Yeah. You know, he do some strange yeah. things, don't yeah. he? <laughs> you never know. So what does that look like? How? When do you all start to just form like, you know, a real relationship? Like, I, I really like this guy. I can be yeah. honest. Yeah. It was about, to be honest, it was like maybe a month or so in. Mm. And I was like, it was just something different. It was I, it was different. I still didn't know quite what it was, but it wasn't like, I don't just want you for sex. I don't just want you for just somebody to put on my arm to be out with so my friends can say, oh, you see the girl that so-and-so guy or whatever. But it was something different. And say it was intentional right off the bat with my children. Okay. Like, the way he found out I even had children because I didn't want no guys around my children. He came over for dinner, and then Brittany come down the hallway. Mm. And he was like, whose child is that? So instantly what I go to survival mode. I'm ready to fight him now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Your business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, it's my daughter. Why? Yeah. You know, then comes Bridget. He was like, okay, who is that? Mm. <laughs> I was like, you, you know, like an attitude, like you don't have to stay. And he got up and he left and I was like, good. And he came back and he had something for them. He went and bought something mm. and brought something for them. And what did it do for you? I don't know. It just, it changed. It just, it softened my heart. It softened my heart because said was not my daddy. You know, like in, in the back of my head, I'm thinking that because I've been in so many failed relationships and not like so many, but in failed relationships that this guy, he was not my dad. I saw people treating me the way my dad at that time would treat my mom. Um, and I never, you know, uh, let nobody like, you know, beat on me or be violent towards me, but psychologically, because I put myself out there, I put my heart out there, but say it was different. And I just, and I was like, he I had to constantly remind myself, he is not the people that have hurt you. Mm. That, that's so good. Cause sometimes we'll see similarities in people. Yeah. And we want to label them mm-hmm. as though that they were the other person. Yeah. They're not. They're not. Let them be them. Mm-hmm. What What is God showing you in that moment about trusting again or trusting, period? It may not be again, trusting. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> this is what sealed it for me. Um, said we were dating and um, once we got engaged and I did, I proposed. That's the true story. Do your thing. <laughs> and but during our engagement, I found out I had stage four uterine cancer, which means that Seth has no biological children. And then that means that I couldn't give him. So then I thought the Lord was punishing me for my life that I had lived before. Um, it's good to me. Somebody needs to hear that. Somebody needs to hear that. I was talking to somebody last week who lives in Maryland, and we were talking about a, a, a particular issue. And we were talking about a family and a guy who thinks that he's going through punishment now mm-hmm. because of things he did when he was younger. I've been there, you know, and you're like, man, is this, am I reaping? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we walk around with this false idea yeah. that, that God has been waiting to get us. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I thought that, and I remember Seth sitting there telling me, his story of when he was 16, he will remember walking in the mall and saw, saw a couple and they had two little girls 
And he 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 shared with me that he remember going home after him and his friends left the mall and praying, God, that's exactly what I want. And so him telling me that he was like, I never told God how I wanted my girls, but I knew I, that's what I wanted. And you are what you you I could you look like what I thought you would look like, and all of those things and. God just continued to use him to soften my heart about the people that had hurt me. Mm. The people who had hurt me were men. It was my uncle. It was my dad. Mm. It was my boyfriends. And so here's a man that was the total opposite. And God, but it went, he, he didn't send said into my life till I was ready mm-hmm. on this step at 22 and when, when I met Sid, I thought it was a joke because I was like, I, well, what do I do? Because I've already made a commitment to God. It's just going to be me and you. Mm. But he had prepared my heart to receive him so that I wouldn't put on him what I had already experienced. That's interesting because a lot of times we will put on other people what we're going through. And we make their life hell mm-hmm. because we got unresolved issues. I yeah. won't go to counseling, won't mm-hmm. get help, won't talk to nobody. Yeah. So, so. So say to save when you meet them. Mm-hmm. So now what? Because you're not in the church, right? Mm-mm. Okay. What is that? Y'all having church on the steps? Y'all, y'all mean back at the club talking about prayer? Well, you know. Is he in the church service yeah. somewhere? Say was going to a church uh, with his aunt. I was going going to a church, but I was not in church. Uh, I remember inviting said to the church, and I remember said saying, "Is this real?" Is this a real church? You know, and it was then when we knew that we were going to be married, that we began to search for a church to grow together. Mm. And so and that's what we did. Uh, And that's the church that we got married in and the church we raised our children in uh, all of those years. We started our journey together at a church that we felt like we were going to grow together. Mm. Not my church, not the church I was going to because I was not in it, mm-hmm. but the church that, and not the church where he is family, but we found a church where we as a, as a family could grow together. That's good. And did you all grow? Oh yeah. What was the name of that church? Name of that church is new life Baptist church. Okay. Is it still in existence mm-hmm. now? It oh. still is in existence. And what was that pastor's name? The pastor's name was uh, Dr. Lee Wilkins Jr. You know, it's interesting. I, I say this stuff all the time that a lot of time in our context, we don't talk about discipleship. We just mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And some other contexts, they have, you know, all these labels and they got the terms, but yeah. they may not be doing it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that y'all experienced that. Yeah discipleship that love mm-hmm. in that church even if it didn't have a name yeah you know so what what did growth look like in that church yeah. growth looked like in that church as we began to for, for us for us was um before um pastor wilkins was our former pastor who passed away who married us mm-hmm. and uh, i remember reverend howard uh because we was going to call off the wedding because I had just went through a major surgery with the cancer and all of that. And he was like, no, don't call it off. Just show up. We was like, we didn't have any guests. We didn't do anything. He said, I'm going to tell the church I'm going to call a business meeting. And on our wedding day, we had like 300 people at church. And it looked like we planned it all. But but even just that, helping us start our journey with someone believing in us. Um, And then when, when Pastor Howard passed away, and because it, it was different from what I had experienced in my church I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. 
here's a pastor that said, no, I'm going to do this versus a leadership that said, no, you got to come, you know, confess your sins first. Mm -hmm. And so having someone that believed in us and believed in our marriage. And then when he passed away, then God sent a, another pastor who we grew up in the church kind of like together as he was pastoring our families learn our, our children was at the ripe age where they can be involved it was a lot to be involved in but it didn't feel like a burden mm -hmm. it felt like a gift mm. it wasn't a, it didn't feel like a burden it felt like a gift and so as that we began to grow in knowledge we also began to grow in the grace of god come on, come on. yeah and so I unpack that because yeah. Uh, key thing. Some people will treat church like a burden. Mm -hmm. when actually, they, they are a burden to the church. Mm -hmm. So church is not feeling like a burden. It, it's, it's, it's like a grace gift. Mm -hmm. Man, what's going on? Because yeah. now you're talking about this, this growing in grace, yeah. growing in salvation. Yeah. Um, so I say it was, was the, the church bus, you know, he drove the church van. That was his, that was his ministry. And he loved making sure getting folks to church. But it wasn't just older people that he was driving. He was driving these teenage boys who did not have father figures at home. Oh. A great time to just pour into them. We both taught Sunday school. Mm. Uh, teenage kids. And, and mind you, these are things I said I would never do. Uh, I, I, I always have said I don't never want to work with anybody else's kids. But here I am yeah. teaching Sunday school. I taught dance ministry. Things that I was gifted to do in the way that the Lord gifted me. I got a chance to express that in the church and our kids got a chance to express that and say it got to express his gifts in the church. And then we became in a group to become in leadership in the church okay. and, and say it was ordained deacon in the church. I was the first woman to be ordained mm. as a minister of the gospel in the church Yeah, yeah. and our gifts. And, but it was the Lord all along. Let's talk about that. How, how, what have been some of the difficulties walking out your calling in ministry as a woman mm. and as a black woman? Yes. Uh, I grew up with the mindset that this is not what women are supposed to do. So I bucked against it for a long time. Mm. A long time. Women not supposed to do this. Women are not supposed to do that. It was okay for me to teach Sunday school, but it was not okay for me to upsert authority. And I thought when people say things to me, I would go and look it up. So I looked it up. I said, I didn't take anything by force. This was given to me, you know? Um, but it was hard. It was hard because you grew, uh, even in that there were still people in the church who were way older than I, who just didn't believe that even what the pastor was doing was biblical, you know? And so it was hard. And it was, there, it was that tension of, um, am I, and, you know, as a woman, as a wife, uh, am, am I supposed to be in leadership? Am I over, over this? You know, all the questions. And then it made me like um, insecure. And when I knew I was gifted in something, I would bag back or I was, you know, um, you know, let other people shine so that people so that I would be in my place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of creating that, that fear, yeah. that fear and, uh, and the insecurity. The insecurity, yeah. How is that? Because, you know, I know that we all wrestle with some type of fear and some larger than others, some not, um, some insecurity big, some small, but, but dealing with that, wrestling with that, how has it shaped how you minister to women in the mm -hmm. same situation now? Dealing or, with, or team moms, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, dealing with that has uh, made me rely on God and not on Danita. Mm. Um, not on, I have, when I really say like, 
if I'm preparing, if I got to talk, I am in constant prayer mm -hmm. uh, because I don't, if it was relying on me, I probably would still shy away because there's sometimes I am still mindful. The enemy still reminds me of who I used to be. Yeah. And so, and then I, I, I've, when I share my story, I, I often tell people I'm not bragging on my uh, sin. I'm bragging on my deliverance, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, I, but the enemy, he sometimes remind me, you used to be this. And I, and I have to remind myself, but I'm, you know, God has delivered me. And so in, in ministering to young moms and, and, and even women, not just young moms, but women in general, just reminding them that God is still writing. The journey is not over. The pen is still going and he's shaping, shaping and molding us in the way that he wants us to be. And we have to block out the vo voices that the naysayers, we have to block out the things that the enemy is speaking in our ear because that's where he get up close in that ear and, he, and have you thinking like this is not going to work out this is not of God this is I'm not supposed to yeah. be doing this and you begin to believe those things and so you we have to cast down every thought yeah. that's not like God we have to we have to cast those things out we have to be mindful and we do that by saturating ourselves in the word meditating on it day and night like Lord I need you and being vulnerable first with him naked I came naked you know I'll go like but right now I'm just laying out naked before you Lord mm -hmm. and so when you present yourself to the Lord first and then he empowers you and give you what you need so that you can be able to help someone else because the truth of the matter is Vincent I live my story every day all day when I work with teen moms I'm reminded of it because yeah. I work with girls who have the same who have experienced abuse I work with girls who have kept their children because of, you know, even in the being sexually assaulted, I work with young girls who don't have resources. I'm I'm reminded of my own life every day. So if I don't saturate myself with the word of God, if I'm not feasting off the word, if I'm not in prayer, if I'm not with other believers who have been delivered. Mm. That's, that's good. I'm telling you, other believers who've been delivered and walking out and the walk, deliverance. Yes. You know, um, so where are you all now? Where where are you walking this out now as far as church goes? Because I'm I'm sure you're not at that church that you started doing Sunday school yeah. at. Where are you now? Yeah, we are at downtown church now. Um, and so we're getting to walk that out in downtown church, being a part of a ministry where um, we get to be an agent of change among a group, uh, a population of people, whether it's um, multi-generational, multi-multicultural, socioeconomically, all those things, something that I, th I never thought I would do. And as a, and you're doing it as a woman of color. And, and as a woman of color. So what have been the joys and the pains of that, being a woman of color, walking out that ministry in that particular environment in this city of Memphis? Yeah. Some of the joys have been that I never thought that I would be leading women, white women, mm. other women in races that they would want to follow a black woman. Mm. That's the truth of the matter. And being able to walk and mentor uh, women that are not women of color has been um, has been good. Some of the um, some of the pains also that the flip side of that is is that. We still live in a city. We still live in a country. We still live in a place where women of color are not as valued mm -hmm. if we don't look a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
we 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 ha we work so hard to uh, have a seat at the table, but then when we get a seat at the table, we still don't have a voice. Mm. And I've learned and am learning like that's huge. It's one thing to have a seat at the table, but it's another to have a seat and a voice yeah, yeah. at the table. And I feel like God is, has prepared me in this season of my life to not only have a seat at the table, but to have a voice at the yeah. table. And my voice has some value to it. Come on, because Danita's voice matters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who are listening, watching, what, what, what words of encouragement would you want to give them who are dealing with shame or just uh, the singleness or just mm -hmm. the struggle of, you know, what do I do next? You know, what, what would you want to leave them with? And then would you pray for, sure. for those who are watching, listening to? Yeah, I would just say, first of all, first and foremost, that um, God loves you. There is uh, nothing that you can do that will make him stop loving you. That's the whole purpose of him coming, living, dying, resurrecting, and living again, seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing a place because he loves us. Um, the Bible tells us that he so loved. A lot of times when I, re when I recite this scripture, I always say God so loved Anita that he gave. And so... I want to encourage you that there is nothing that you can do, say, or say that will make God stop loving you. That's unconditional. You can't buy it. You, it's, we can't pay for it. My old, uh, my old, my grandmother used to say, um, "Christ paid a debt he did not owe, and we owe a debt we can't pay." Yeah. Yeah. And I'm reminded of that. I can't do enough. I can't say enough. He just loves us. He just loves us. So, yeah. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for delivering Word Bible Church. Where your word is going forth. Where you're using your people. Where you're using your servant, your leader to guide not only just church but the community God I thank you for this opportunity I pray right now for those who may are listening I pray that they will be reminded of your love of your care of your grace that your hand of mercy is upon them God I pray right now that those who have been hurt by shame by guilt abuse whatever it may be God, that you would intervene, that you would just arrest their hearts and minds and remind them. And for those who don't know you, God, that someone will come alongside them and walk out life. They will live life with them without any expectancy other than that they will come to know you for themselves, that they don't do it as a transaction, but they do it for a relationship. God, I pray right now for this church, I pray for Pastor Vincent and the leadership. I pray for I pray for my friend Lauren who as he pastors, a lot of people don't understand what it means to have a, a spouse who has to labor and see her husband uh, labor for for God's people. Give her strength, build her up, hold her together, God, and their daughter law their daughter Renee as well. God, I love you. 
I thank you for this opportunity. And I pray that your word will be made manifest in the lives of all of us that are listening, both near and far. In Jesus' name, amen.